We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up show, Best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, March the 15th, 2021. Today's show, I break down a frustrating weekend in Austin, Texas. The Gamecocks fall to Texas in all three games by scores of 4-1, to 3-0, to nothing, and 8-5. to five. South Carolina getting swept by Texas. I'll break it all down. Key takeaways, TSUS Series MVP. We also introduce a new segment called Slap Dick of the Weekend. We'll talk who's hot, who's not. What's next for South Carolina as they look to turn it around? Also, unexpectedly, Frank Martin rumors have begun to swirl over the weekend. I'll give my full thoughts on the reports, what's next, what's happening with Gamecocks basketball. Also, we've got news and notes to get into, your listener questions, and... We have a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks Ryan and pitcher Matt Vogel joined me for a conversation. Great stuff from Matt. We got a packed show, guys, here on Monday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention their companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, by the way. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group, or of course, if you have any other questions, Go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
baseball as in life, there are two types of people, two types of teams, two types of entities. Those who are humbled and those who are about to be humbled. And unfortunately for the Yardcocks, you got humbled this weekend in Austin, Texas. Folks, hope you're all doing well. Happy Monday. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, the Spurs Up Show. As always, guys, hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Let me be the first, by the way. First things first. How about it? Episode 400 for the Spurs Up Show. Unreal, man. It's almost like an overwhelming number to think this is the 400th time I've done this. Um, and I do want to say to you guys, thank you so much for the love, for the support, for everything, guys. Without you all, none of this would be possible. Obviously, 400 episodes wouldn't be possible. And cheers to the next 400. Um, an unreal number. Crazy, crazy. I would have never thought when I started um, that one day I'd be 400 episodes deep. But here we are. I wish episode 400 was a little bit more celebratory and a little bit more positive. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's not really the case today. But again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Without further ado, of course, let's go ahead and dive right into it because we got a packed show here on a Monday. And we have to start in Austin, Texas. A, a rough, rough weekend for Gamecocks baseball. South Carolina getting swept by the Texas Longhorns by scores of 4-1, to 3 to nothing, and 8-5. to Where do you start with this one? Let's go ahead and dive my key takeaways. First things first. It, it, it has to revolve around the the hitting and the situational hitting and lack thereof. Um, you just got flat out beat. I, I, you know, I, I you just got flat out beat, and you you didn't do enough at the plate. You know, I, I thought. Listen, you look back at the three games. You had four hits on Friday, but you're going up against a top five pick. Okay, Saturday. You look at Saturday. You had seven hits, and on Sunday, you had. 10 hits, but you only scored six runs throughout the entire weekend. You scored six runs. How does that add up? How does that compute? South Carolina, for whatever reason, just could not buy a timely hit to save its freaking life. You, you couldn't buy that big knock. You know, this series can be summarized in just a couple of situations, a couple of instances where South Carolina had guys bases loaded, second and third, you know, one out, no out, whatever, and you're not able to execute on said situation. And, you know, it's so funny. I have notes down here written, my key takeaways. I have all these notes, but I feel like I'm just about to go off on a rant and go off, go off completely off, off the sheet, if you will. Because this series, guys, it kind of reminded me of the Clemson series. And you're like, Chris, what are you talking about? In the sense of this, I thought all weekend that it was, it was great baseball. It, it was great baseball games. But these are the type of games that, similar to the Clemson series, when you win them, they're great baseball games, right? And when you're on the right side of it, you don't think about all of the, the missed opportunities and the missed situations and, and, the, and the places you fell short. You just think about, hey, we did enough to win the ball game. But South Carolina was on the other side of that this weekend. They were on the other side. And when you play a team like Texas and you go on the road, which, by the way, I don't know why I've been seeing this narrative on social media, but people saying and acting like Texas is an average ball club and they're the, they're the seventh or eighth best team we'll play this season. Am I saying Texas is Vanderbilt? Am I saying Texas is Florida, Arkansas, Mississippi State? No, I am not. But Texas is a damn good ball club. Texas is a very good baseball team. They're a team with Omaha on their minds. 110%. They were a preseason top 10 team for a reason. That's a damn good ball club South Carolina played this weekend. 
Obviously, you never want to get swept. That's stating the obvious. You never want to get swept. And it's definitely unfortunate when, you know, you, you feel like you're starting pitching, especially pitched well enough in at least two of the three games to, to win you the series. At minimum, win a single game. But you feel like you pitched well enough over the course of the weekend to win the series. I mean, listen, your pitchers gave up 15 runs in three games. Average five a game. I'll take that any weekend. I, I will take that every single weekend from your pitching staff. That's solid. That's solid baseball. But situationally, you know, in a series like this, when you're playing a team like Texas, who's a high-quality ball club, and you get opportunities and you get runners in scoring position, you got to capitalize. You have to. You have to. When you're facing the arms like Texas has and and – you know, you're going up against guys like that. You're going up, up, up against, against pitchers like the Longhorns are going to throw out there at you. You got to take advantage. And for whatever reason, again, I don't know what it was, guys. I, I don't know. I'm at a little bit of a loss for words because I don't know what it was at the plate where you weren't able to get the big knock. You, you, I mean, heck, you couldn't put up a crooked number until late in the game on Sunday. You know, you had one home run all weekend. And yes, I know the wind was playing tricks on you. It was a big factor. And you know, I, I, I will say this, too, and again, this isn't an excuse, but I think it's just a fact. That ballpark fits what Texas wants to do really, really well. You know, playing on the turf, the wind, it's a bigger ballpark, it's pitcher-friendly. Um, did not set up well for South Carolina. Did not set up well. Did not set up well. But situationally, and, and we talked about, you know, I, I told you guys last week, the reason that I don't do – keys to victory for baseball because they're generally the same weekend in and weekend out, especially when, you know, against the top competition, you know, you got to throw strikes and execute on the bump, of course, but you got to situationally hit, you, you, you got to handle the moment the right way. You know, it's going to come down to six or seven key moments and whichever team can handle those and execute and take advantage of said moments. That's the team that's going to win the series. That's the team that's going to win the ball games. And unfortunately, this weekend, South Carolina just, for whatever reason, did not handle those moments. They didn't take advantage of those opportunities. Now, let me get it out there right now. If you're one of those fans saying, you know what, this team's terrible, this team sucks, fire Kingston, you, listen, you're more than welcome to check out on the season. There are 42 games left in the season. There are 10 SEC series starting this weekend. But if you want to go ahead and bail on this team, you're more than welcome. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Go ahead. If you want to say season's over, this team's trash, then be my guest. Be my guest. Was this weekend frustrating? Hell yeah, it was frustrating. It was very frustrating. Extremely frustrating, especially to not win a game. I could have handled losing the series. But you cannot get swept. You got to find a way to scratch one out. You just flat out have to. And you couldn't do it. And like I said, now the question comes to this. Hey, you've been humbled, right? You've been humbled. And I don't think South Carolina came in this series with, with the big head or anything or overconfident or anything like that. It really just felt like it wasn't your weekend. You know, you had a lot of hard-hit balls that just didn't drop. Listen, I thought the, I thought the approach at the plate wasn't terrible. Um you know, starting on Friday, I thought you battled Ty Madden. And guys, that is a top five pick you probably faced on Friday. That's one of the best pitchers in college baseball. Which, that Friday game, great baseball game. 
That, that game went basically exactly how I expected. You know, you're tied one-to-one in the eighth. That's all you can ask for. You're tied one-to-one in the eighth inning. You had opportunities against Madden early in that game, and you couldn't capitalize. And against a guy like that, like I said, guys, those little moments, they're, the, they're, they're going to stand out, especially when you lose. But they're going to stand out. And you're not going to get many opportunities against a guy with, of that caliber and of the caliber of the Texas pitching staff. So when you get those opportunities, you got to take advantage. And South Carolina just didn't do it. They just didn't do it. But I thought the overall approaches weren't terrible. I mean, you were hitting the baseball. It's not like you were getting blanked in the hit column. For whatever reason, you, you just couldn't find a hole. You couldn't buy a timely hit. You couldn't buy a timely knock. And again, it's something where you got to get back to Columbia. It's got to be important to you. You got to care about timely hitting. You got to care about situational hitting. You know, I, I'm not saying, I, I think coming back home and completely just starting from scratch and trying to trying to change up the, you know, the approaches and everything completely. I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's the solution. You know, I did the live watch along stream on Saturday. I had people asking me, you know, oh, Chris, if you're Kingston, what are you telling the team at this point? Oh, what are you telling them now? What are you telling them now? Guys, it is a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so if you have the attitude of, oh, my God, every time something goes wrong, we have to completely change something, you're going to struggle. And you're going to struggle all year. Because baseball, guys, if you didn't know, baseball is a game where inevitably you're going to lose. You're just going to lose. It is a game of failure. Tommy Lasorda said it. You're going to win a third of the games you play. You're going to lose a third of the games you play, no matter how good or bad you are. It's what you do with that other third. Bottom line. Again, I'm not excusing the fact you got swept this week, and you got to be better. You got to be better. And again, when you're when your pitching gives up seven runs in the first two games, you got to win at minimum one of those games. You got to win them both. You got to win them both. You got to find a way. You left guys out there on Saturday. I think you went like two for 21 with runners in scoring position, you, you, you got to find a way to be better. You, you got to be better. You know, the hit parade early in the season was fun and the home runs and all that. And we all love watching it and seeing it. If you're not hitting home runs, you got to find a way to get guys across. And I'll tell you this too, and I'm not going to call them out by name, but there's a couple of guys in this lineup that really got to get their shit together. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's mentally. I don't know if it's mechanically. But there's a couple of guys in this lineup that we all expected to be big-time contributors, and I mean big-time players, who ain't hitting for shit. You know, guys like Wes Clark, Brady Allen, Braylon Wimmer, those guys are swinging it well. I think they're holding their own. You know, Andrew Eister here and there, he had an up-and-down weekend, whatever. But there's a couple of guys, again, I'm not going to name that, bro, you need to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, what the hell am I doing? Because, again, there's a couple of guys that I think aren't contributing right now at all. I'm talking about it all. That it's killing this lineup. It's, it's just flat out killing this lineup. And, again, it's very early in the season, guys. I want to make that clear. It's very early. I am not, I, I'm not comparing this team – to 2010 or 2011 or anything crazy, but I'm just making the point of, you know, I think what happens with fans is they look back at, let's say, 10 and 11, and they just think back to, oh, winning the national championship, and they just, you you, you talk to them, you, you think they thought we just won every game, and it's like, we didn't. 
if you don't like adversity, if you don't like it, then baseball's probably not the game for you, my friends, because you're going to hit it. Inevitably, you're going to hit adversity in the game of baseball. You just are. Even the best teams lose. Even the best teams run into adversity damn near on a weekly basis. I mean, that 2010 team, guys, you know how they started the year? They lost two of three to ECU, East Carolina, at their place, and then lost two of three to Clemson and got smacked in the final game 19-6. to I wonder what the mood was like around Columbia then. I wonder if people were saying, oh, you know what? That's a, that's a national championship team right there. Not a chance, bro. Not a chance. So, again, in the small sample size of this weekend, I'm not saying be happy you got swept. Of course not. I'm pissed off. I'm pissed. I was pissed watching that Sunday game. I was pissed. But you know what? Again, you've been, you've been humbled. Now what do you do? Now what do you do? This is, honestly, I'm not happy you got swept, but I'm really happy you played Texas before SEC play. I'm really happy you didn't schedule a, I don't know, a, a, a North Florida for a weekend series and just skate through and, and probably sweep and, and whatever. You know, you'd be undefeated. And everybody would be feeling great, but then you run into the buzzsaw that's Vanderbilt. Then you run into Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. What do you do now? What do you do now? Right? And now, so, so now you've, you've been tested on the road against a really high-quality pitching staff. Overall, I think your pitchers passed the test. Thomas Farr was brilliant Friday. Brandon Jordan, I think he battled and did enough to give you the W on Saturday. Yes, Julian Bosnick struggled. And again, you know, he's been so good in his career, and he didn't have his best stuff. And I will say this, I think Bosnick and other guys too, I think other guys too sort of let these umpires get under their skin a little bit. I saw a lot of guys turning around, looking at the umpire, you know, oh, what the heck, the call, you know. And Bosnick did that a lot. Again, I don't think any of those guys listen to this podcast. But what I would say is this. We got to get over that. College umpires suck. We all know they suck. But you can't let the umpire dictate anything. Control what you can control. He's going to suck, okay? He's going to suck. But you throw a pitch 2-2. You think you should have struck him out. I think you should have struck him out. Everybody in the building thinks you should have struck him out. But you cannot let that pitch beat you twice. You can't groove one down the middle 3-2. You can't walk the guy. Can't lose him. You got to be mentally tough in that situation. But again, overall, I, I thought your pitchers did enough. Your pitchers did enough to win two out of three. Again, Thomas Farr, Brandon Jordan, even Julian Bosnick. You're going to be able to win a lot of games with that weekend rotation. And the bullpen. Jack Mahoney, brilliant out the pen. You know, people, and, and I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. And if you guys saw me on social media, you know, I was coming at a few people. I was pissed because I just knew as soon as this team loses its first game, the same people that have been saying, oh, Omaha, you know, Omaha, this team's so great. They're going to be the first ones to jump ship. They're going to be the first ones to say, oh, this team's, you know, I saw people saying Will Sanders was terrible. I mean, are you shitting me? Dude's a stud. He's a true freshman on the road at Texas, and he got hit a little bit. And, and their hits down the line. It's not like our guys, any of our guys, were getting shelled all over the yard. We battled, we fought our asses off, and it didn't, it, the ball didn't bounce our way. It didn't happen. Again, it all comes back to situational hitting. What needs a change at the plate? 
I don't know how much you really change, to be honest. I don't know. I don't think you just completely overhaul this thing. You know, I don't think you, you say, oh, you know, we're, we're going to completely change our philosophies. I know that's not going to happen. You know, you need to continue to be who you are. You know, you're a team with, you feel like high-quality hitters that drive the baseball and can hit home runs every now and then. But I don't know that South Carolina's game really fit in well at Texas this weekend. You know, again, there were a lot of balls hit hard. They just didn't fall. We saw it a ton. I can think specifically off the top of my head a couple balls that were caught at the warning track. But again, like I told you guys before, this is kind of one of my favorite points to measure a, a, a team, a group of men. Now we're going to see, right? Now we're going to see what kind of ball club this is. Because again, I, I felt good after the first 11 games. You're 11-0. You fought adversity. You battled. And I still think this team's going to fight adversity and battle. But you, you had overcame adversity, and you had won, and you're 11-0, and everybody's patting you on the back and tell you how great, great you are, and you feel good about everything, whatever, right? But now you've been punched in the mouth. Now you've been humbled. And again, in baseball, you're inevitably going to run into adversity. Bottom line, it's a game of failure. The question is, how do you respond? How do you respond? You got to find a way to get back to Columbia. Like I said, look yourself in the mirror. Get your swag back. Get your mojo back. Get your confidence back. I still think this is a quality ball club, guys. I still think this can be a super regional ball club. One series is not going to define this team. It's not. You got 42 games left. Am I excusing this weekend? I'm not. I'm not. Absolutely not. You got to find a way to at least salvage a game. Inexcusable to get swept. Just flat out inexcusable. But I will say this. I'm glad this team ran into this type of adversity before SEC play. I am. I actually am. I'm glad this team hit this adversity before you get into conference play. Because it's definitely not going to get any easier, right? <laughs> if you thought Ty Madden was good, just wait till this weekend when you see Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. It's not going to get any easier. Then you got Florida the next weekend. It's not going to get any easier, guys. But again, if you don't like adversity, if you don't like overcoming obstacles, baseball just might not be the game for you. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. You can't bring a football mentality to baseball. Because like I said, no matter how good you are, you're going to lose a third of the games you play. You just are. And I'll say this, looking at your schedule to start the year, I think if you'd have told me you'd have been 11-3 and three at this point, you know, I don't like the way it happened. I don't like the way it happened at all with the getting swept. But if you'd have told me you'd have been 11-3 and three at this point, let's say you win tomorrow night against Davidson. 12-3 and three after your first 15 going into conference play, I would have taken it. I really would have taken it. So, again, the sky is not falling. This team is not terrible. And again, if you're one of those people saying fire Kingston 14 games in the season, you're a fucking idiot. And, and I'm not, I don't feel bad saying that. Just crawl back in your hole and wait until football season. Flat out. 
hey, if this team shits the bed the rest of the year and misses the postseason, I will not knock anybody for saying Fire Kings. I really won't. I really won't. Will I be on the Fire Kingston bandwagon? I don't think so. I don't think I will. But I won't knock fans for saying that. But, guys, it's 14 games. We've got 42 more to go. Yes, this team is not perfect. We knew it wasn't perfect after you started 11-0, and I told you guys, you're going to lose a baseball game. You are. At some point, you are. Again, Friday and Saturday, I mean, you lost all three games by three runs. And Friday and Saturday, I thought were classics. They, they weren't. The series was what I expected the first two games. You just came out on the wrong side of both of them. So, again, situational hitting has got to get fixed. We know the problem. We know the problem. You get guys, runners in scoring position, and again, when you play a team like Texas, and basically from here on out, because every weekend, it's a gauntlet. The SEC, every single weekend is going to be tough. In those situations, when you have opportunities and you have guys in scoring position, you got to capitalize. You got to take advantage. You know, when you got a pitcher out there that's that's walking guys and hitting guys and falling behind on the count, you got to make him pay. You just have to make him pay. You can't let him off the hook. And that's what happened too much this weekend. South going to let Texas pitchers off the hook. They get, they'd get in trouble. They'd get in trouble. They'd get in trouble. And we had no answer. We, we, we had no knockout punch. We just did not have that knockout punch this weekend for whatever reason. I don't know why, guys. I really don't. Other than it, it's baseball. And it just happens. Now, again, it's about responding the right way. Like I said, getting back to Columbia, looking yourself in the mirror, saying, hey, what do we need to, what adjustments do we need to make? You can't change things and overhaul things, but it's about what adjustments. This is a game of adjustments. What adjustments do we need to make at the plate? Do we need to change our mindset and our mentality when we get guys on second and third or we get guys in scoring position? You know, how, do we need to take a look at the lineup? What guys do we need to continue to give opportunities and what guys do we need to sit down? You know, every single guy is different. Some guys, they need the at-bat. Some guys need a mental break. I don't know. That's for Kingston and Meade and that staff to decide on. But overall, listen, I still feel good about this team. I still think this is a quality ball club. But you've hit some adversity now. You know, you've hit troubles. Things are not perfect. How do you respond? How do you respond is my question. All right, guys, let's move into TSUS Series MVP. And for me, this one's a no-brainer. It's Thomas Farr. I, I thought what he did on Friday night, you know, Farr has been really, really good at this point. Um, you know, I said it all preseason that he, he's the best Friday night guy you've never heard of. What he did on Friday, going up against Ty Madden, I talked about how big of an opportunity that was for Thomas Farr, sort of on the national stage to get his name out there and, and go toe-to-toe with a guy who is undoubtedly easily a first-rounder. And he did just that. Six innings pitch, seven hits, one run, one run, one walk, and 10 strikeouts. And again, just went toe-to-toe with a guy who's a first-rounder. Um, you know, Thomas Farr, the, the, the fastball had life. The breaking ball was as sharp as I've seen in his career at South Carolina. And, uh, you know, he did, all you, he did all he could for you. He did all he could. And, uh, you know, I, I, I will say this again. Trying to pull positives from this weekend. Thomas Farr is a guy who's going to give you a lot of chances to win baseball games. You're going to have a chance to win every single time he takes the bump, every single time, including this Friday. 
If he throws the way he did in Austin, you're going to have a chance every weekend. So, again, my TSUS series MVP, Thomas Farr, tip of the cap to you, sir, for even giving Salk on a chance in that Friday game against Ty Madden. Guys, a new segment I'm rolling out inspired by the, the Citadel game last weekend, and this award weekly is going to go to the guy who exemplifies behavior that is Bush League, befuddling, nonsensical, slapdick in nature. And, of course, I'm talking the slapdick of the weekend. Because there's a guy that stood out that is getting this award from the Texas side. And the slapdick of the weekend, the first ever slapdick of the weekend award goes to Zach Zubia, the Texas infielder. This man, first things first, taking his sweet time to get in the box. Every single A-B. Absurd. This guy taking his time like he's freaking Barry Bonds, like he's the best hitter in college baseball. Bro, get in the box. We don't want to be here for four hours. And then to really top it all off and really solidify being the slap dick of the weekend. Sunday game, I forget which at bat it was, second or third A-B. He hits the ball, and he hit it well, hit it deep to center. But the dude bat flips and starts skipping out of the box. Like he just hit this thing 500 feet, and what does Braylon Wimmer do? He catches it at the wall. I mean, I don't know what it was. I didn't expect to go into this weekend and come out disliking Zach Zubia, but dude just gave me slap dick vibes all weekend. So congratulations, Zach. You have won the first ever slap dick of the weekend award. Congrats, sir. Good job. Good job. Good job. All right, let's move into who's hot, who's not, guys. Uh, who's hot? Braylon Wimmer. I, I will say for, for a team that struggled at the plate this weekend, Braylon Wimmer, a solid weekend for him. Four for nine, two RBIs, guys. He also had, he also went four for four on Sunday. So a, a really, really good close of the series. I think Wimmer, a guy that's got to go back at the top of the lineup. I, I think he is your two-hole guy. I'd keep him there all year long. I just truly think he fits that so well. He has the speed. He's also got some pop. I think Alan Wimmer at the top of the lineup is really, really dangerous, followed by Wes Clark in the three. I really like how that sets up personally. But uh, Braylon Wimmer, again, four for nine, two rubies. He also had the only RBI in the game Friday. So, you know, had the sack fly. But uh, I thought a really good weekend for Braylon Wimmer. He's swinging it well, four for nine, two RBI. Who's not? And again, I said I would not mention guys by name earlier that need to step their shit up. But I'm going to mention this guy. Who's not? It's Brennan Malone. And I like Brennan Malone a lot, guys. If you listen to any of my stuff in the preseason, you guys know I'm a big Brennan Malone fan. I I like Brennan Malone. Like him a lot. I think he's an extremely talented kid. He's a talented hitter. And I think he's going to have a very good career in Columbia. But Brennan Malone on the weekend, 0 for 9 with five strikeouts. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's mechanically he's got something messed up. But, I mean, he's missing fastballs, guys. He's missing fastballs. And they're not 97, 98. I mean, these are 90-mile-an-hour fastballs. It's not like, you know, he's out there facing a guy throwing 100. But just flat out missing fastballs. And I don't, I, I genuinely don't understand it. I think it's got to be mental. And again, I think it's killing this lineup. 
because he's a guy you really expected to contribute and be a big-time contributor for you. And I thought he was going to hit in a three-hole for you, hitting the top of the lineup. You know, has shown great power. You know, over inner squads and scrimmages and all that good stuff. Has shown great power. And, I mean, for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. It just hasn't clicked. So, again, who's not? Brendan Malone, 0 for 9, 5 strikeouts. Honorable mention, by the way, for who's not, situational hitting. I think he went, like, again, 2 for 21 <laughs> with runners in scoring position. Um, yeah, your situational hitting is not. That's for sure. What's next for this team? Like I mentioned, tomorrow night, Tuesday against Davidson at Founders Park. And then you got a weekend series. It all gets going, man. SEC play at Vanderbilt this weekend. Again, like I said, it gets no easier. Heck, it gets tougher. You'll have Kumar Rocker on Friday, Jack Leiter on Saturday. It really gets going. So, you got to find a way from this weekend. Flush it. Learn from it. Rebound. Find your confidence. Find your swag. Hey, you're still a good ball club. You've still got a lot to play for. You got 42 games to go. There's still a ton of baseball to be played. I know fans, you feel down and out right now. I get it. I'm pissed off too. I'm pissed off too. I get it. But hey, you've been humbled, like I said. Now what happens? So what? Now what? You've been humbled. How do you battle adversity? Hey, win anyway. Continue to fight. Continue to battle. That's all you can do. This game of baseball, it will beat you to your knees and keep you down there. If you allow it to, or, or you can continue to show up to the ballpark and fight and scratch and claw and generally good things will happen for you, which again, I expect this team to do that. This team has great leadership, Brady Allen, Wes Clark, Andrew Eister, you know, Thomas Farr, Brandon Jordan, guys who have been there, done that Brett Carey. This team has fantastic leadership. I have no questions about guys continuing to show up and fight and battle and, and win anyway. But you got to find a way to do it. You got to find something. You know, you lost to a good Texas ball club. But you got to find a way to regroup, whoop up on Davidson probably Tuesday night, tomorrow night, and then gear up for the Vanderbilt series this weekend. All right, guys, let's move into something I did not expect to be talking about here on a Monday, and that is Frank Martin rumors that began to swirl on Saturday night. Sports Talk SC, the first report, that uh, Ray Tanner is expected to meet with Frank Martin today or early this week, but really the bombshell that came out was they're not expecting Frank Martin to come back. Basically saying that sources have told them that there are going to be multiple options presented to Martin, none of which include being the head coach. Then on Sunday morning, I had a source of mine text me, which, yeah, believe it or not, guys, I do have sources. It's so funny to me, by the way, side note, when people on social media are like, oh, who are your sources? Oh, you're just reporting what Sports Talk said. I'm like, dude, I have built up the Spurs Up show to the point it's at now with the network that we have. Do you really think I don't have a single source at all that knows a guy who knows a guy? Come on. You can't be that ignorant. Anyways, I had one of my sources that I trust that's always been right, I will say this, text me, it's done, Frank Martin's gone. And I can tell you this, I for one am shocked to see this all happening. Will it actually happen? Who knows? This feels a lot like the 
into the must champ era, to be honest with you, where it's like there's so much smoke, you feel like there's got to be fire somewhere. And now the question remains, what's going to happen with Frank Martin, right? I mean, is he going to be the Gamecocks head coach next year? I, I, again, I'm, I'm shocked how this is all going down right now because I thought there was no way the university would pull the trigger on Frank Martin. Frank Martin is so liked. He's so beloved by this fan base. And again, coming off the pandemic-driven season and COVID, again, you, again, you still got the people on social media that no matter what, they still think, you know, I got people, oh, this is what you wanted to happen. Oh, you wanted Frank Martin fired. Guys, now maybe if you saw that, maybe now you understand why I felt like in every single video, every single piece of content talking about Frank Martin, I had to say, hey, just so y'all know, I'm not a fire Frank Martin guy. I wouldn't fire Frank Martin right now amidst the pandemic madness. I had to say that every single piece of content. And that's why. Because people still think, they still thought that I'm a Frank fire Frank Martin guy. Or they still think I'm, trust me guys, let me just put it out there. If I was a fire Frank Martin guy, you would know. I had no, I've got no issue getting my word out there. You would know. But I did say this with the basketball program and how things have gone. Hey, if they feel it's in the best interest to move on and get a new guy, so be it. So be it. It is what it is, a business. But I will say I'm shocked to hear this coming out. And is the Frank Martin era over? Does he get the boot this week? I mean, again, I'm. it, it feels surreal. Um, do not mess with Bob Castling. Because <laughs> what a savage. I mean, what a savage move this will be by Bob Castling if it does come to fruition. Firing Frank Martin. After you know Frank Martin's in his office saying COVID, 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 you know, look what we've done, look what we've done. Bob Castling said, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn, Frank. You ain't my guy. I got no ties to you. You know, and again, I know the question's going to come to, hey, who do you get? When the time comes, when Frank is dismissed, I will go through and give you guys my top candidates. But right now, I have no idea. But again, that news obviously hitting late Saturday and circulating Sunday. And I'm just, for one, just very surprised. I, I, I did not expect university to make that type of decision if they do end up making that decision. But again, it's a business. And you're paid a lot of money to coach basketball. And the season you had, yes, it was impacted by COVID. Yes, it was impacted by external forces. But hard to excuse. Hard to excuse just how bad it was. And our friend Mike over ABC Columbia, uh, Mike Gillespie, reporting also that one of the concerns it sounds like reportedly Ray Tanner has is recruiting, which is very fair. The recruiting's been bad. It has been porous, to say the least. But again, of course, guys, stay tuned to the Spurs Up show. It's going to be something we're keeping an eye on, keeping track of. But what happens with Frank Martin again? Not something I expected to be talking about here on a Monday. I really, I, 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 I thought they'd have an end-of-year meeting. Bygones, you bygones, we're all good. We'll see you next season, and you know we'll, we'll set the standards and the expectations for next season, and you'll come back. But it's sounding like we might have a new basketball coach sooner rather than later. And again, I, I, I think, I'll be honest, I think the reception from fans, if South Carolina is to fire him, 
is going to be very mixed. Because, again, I think there's still a lot of people that really like Frank Martin, that, that are really endeared to him. So, again, what happens to Frank? <laughs> Only time will tell. We'll see. We'll see. And, again, guys, stay tuned to all our coverage. Stay tuned to the Spurs Up show for all the happenings with Frank. Again, news going to be dropping, I'm sure, uh, this week. Never a dull day. Never a dull day in Gamecock Nation, that's for sure. All right, let's move into news and notes, guys, and then we'll get in your listener question. Just one quick note. The spring practice schedule has been released. Uh, practice beginning on March the 20th. Of course, I'm talking about football. But uh, practice beginning on March the 20th, and the spring game, which is already reported, is set for April the 24th. So, hey, spring football right around the corner, right? It's going to give us even more to talk about, but uh, should be exciting stuff. But again, mark your calendar. Spring practice starting March 20th. Spring game beginning April the 24th. All right, let's dive in these listener questions, guys, and then we'll get, in your, get into the interview with uh, Matt Vogel. Let's go ahead and start. And most of these, of course, are revolving around Frank Martin, believe it or not. Kirk Perry underscore says, would have been a tournament team if it wasn't for COVID. I think most of us agree with you. Um, let's see. Rana Metch says, love him, but it's time for someone new when speaking about Frank. Uh, TD Sims is very disappointed. Frank is gone, but 100% support the bulldozer axing Ray Tanner. Yeah, that was the other thing. My source telling me that he said, don't be surprised if you have a new AD come summertime, that Ray Tanner will not be AD anymore. And so again, old Bobby Castlin, Bob the Builder behind the scenes, making moves, making moves. Unreal. Uh, Gabe McLaughlin underscore one says brought us to a final four. No other has done that. Those are facts, but Hey, you can't cling to that forever. My friend. Um, let's see. Hampton underscore Watson sucks to lose Martin because of the energy and attitude he brings, but it's time to move on. BK Nick says doesn't deserve firing yet. If we want long-term success, it takes a long time. I hear you, but guys, we're going into year 10. This is not a small sample size. He also said he's proved already he can win. Something a new coach will have to prove over time. Maybe you're right. Isaac Luttrell, tell Mike Boynton to write his price down and give it to him. I like that idea, actually. I, I, like the, I would like that higher. Gamecock.nation.news says, Sabbath, if you're not winning, then why still be here? <laughs> Very good point. You're paid to win. Austin 20 underscore says, do you feel that Frank deserved to get another year because of all of this COVID stuff? Um, I, I would like, I would have liked to have seen Frank get the redemption year, quote unquote, if you will. Um, again, I, I told you guys, I'm not a fire Frank Martin guy. I, I just think, you know, with him having COVID twice and amidst a pandemic driven season, I did not think firing Frank Martin is going to solve all your problems. But on that note, again, like I think there are real reasons that you can justify firing him. I, I do. You got to be able to see both sides of it. I mean, again, I like, you know, without citing the past and without citing what he's done, again, I challenged fans and I would continue to challenge fans. Okay, you want to keep Frank around? Fine. Then give me reasons why the future why we should be optimistic and positive about the future of South Carolina basketball. And I think the problem with the Frank Martin era right now is the same problem you saw with the Will Muschamp era in football. There aren't enough positive things you can point at and say, oh, the program is moving in the right direction. Because, hey, with basketball, you can't even point at recruiting. 
because it's dog shit. The recruiting's terrible. And I mean, you look at the guys you're going to lose after this season. We already know AJ Lawson. We're pretty damn sure Keyshawn Bryant is gone and probably a host of others as well. This team isn't going to be better next year. So I, I think there's real reasons. Again, I think Frank Martin is a good basketball coach. The question revolves around, does his style and does his culture and his coaching style, does it still work? And you could argue it doesn't. You can honestly argue that it doesn't. So D. Bush underscore says, we need a modern era basketball coach. I don't totally disagree. Ben Smitty 2017, we don't have as much of a rebuild in basketball as we do in football. That's a great debate, I think, by the way, Ben. Uh, last question here. He says, Ben Smitty also says, don't want Mike Boyton. He's only successful because of Cade Cunningham. That's fair. But I, I think that's a great question, Ben, is which has a bigger rebuild, football or basketball? Because I'll tell you this. The thing with basketball is this. You know, people want to say, oh, we're not a basketball school. You know, South Carolina, we're never going to be a basketball school. Dude, Alabama just won the SEC. They just won the SEC tournament. Are they a basketball school? You can't make that argument anymore. Like, it can be done. It can't. You can have a successful basketball program. You can't make that excuse anymore. So, again, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very, very interesting week. Uh, that's for sure. All right, guys. We're going to go and wrap it up. But we do have a very special interview for you guys. So, don't go anywhere. Former Gamecocks running pitcher, Matt Vogel. Matt played 2016, or excuse me, 2015, 2017. Really, really good stuff. Really great insight from him on Carolina baseball while he was there. His path there coming from New York. Um, also, the current state of Gamecock baseball. And really, I thought he gave a, he gave a lot of great insight on professional baseball as well and the grind of professional baseball and sort of that, that, that mental you know, I talk about overcoming adversity and dealing with that, man. It's a lot of adversity at the professional level. So I thought Matt gave great perspective and insight on that, guys. So, again, we got a fantastic interview, and it's all brought to you by our friends, by the way, over at Manscaped. Guys, Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Guys, they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And, guys, Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, including yours truly. Guys, Manscaped hooked me, hooked me up with a bunch of tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Guys, we've all been there, right? You're shaving, you're trimming, you nick your balls, you cut them, you, you're bleeding, it hurts, it burns, guys. Leave that in 2020. Leave that in the past. Manscaped has got you taken care of, guys, where you can now Manscaped with confidence. They created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Guys, their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Guys, I now feel confident shaving my boys. And guys, we've got a great hookup for you guys. I'm helping you out here. It's an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code TSUS at manscaped.com. So you can get that trimmer I just mentioned, 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code TSUS. By the way, guys, did I mention this trimmer has a damn flashlight on it? It's got an LED light for a more precise shave, and it's waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. Guys, I've used it. I use it all the time in the shower. A game changer. It's a flat-out game changer, guys. Everybody tuning in, every man listening to this show right now, you need this. I'm telling you right now, 
Take care of yourself. Your self-care is important, man. Your self-care is important. Take care of yourself. Groom down there. And, guys, of course, don't use the same trimmer you use on your balls. That's just nasty, guys. The Lawnmower 3.0, it comes inside their brand-new Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice down there. Guys, the smells. Smells are awesome. Manscaped Perfect Patch 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, guys, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Guys, you put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And, yes, believe it or not, your balls do stink. And speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I'm thankful for the Crop Reviver as well, guys. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, it keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And also, guys, in the perfect package, Manscaped, they did us a favor. They threw in two free gifts, a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs, which I have worn, by the way, extremely comfortable, and they keep your junk feeling fresh all day, and a travel shed bag to store your grooming goodies, which I use all of the freaking time, guys. When I go stay with Miss TSUS, I'm bringing my travel shed bag. And it's very nice. She compliments it. She likes it. The travel bag is, is extremely convenient. I like it a lot, to be honest. Use it all the time. All the time. Guys, trim that junk of yours. Leave, the, leave your BS trimmer in 2020. Get with Manscaped. Get with it. Get 20% off and free shipping also, guys, with the promo code TSUS at manscaped.com. Guys, your balls are going to thank you. Again, 20% off and free shipping with promo code TSUS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code TSUS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Guys, again, that's episode 400 of the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks Raina pitcher, Matt Vogel. All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2014 to 2016. During his career, he posted a one-and-one record with a 5.87 ERA, 38 and a third innings pitched, and 42 strikeouts. He was then taken in the 25th round of the 2016 MLB draft by the Tampa Bay Rays and has since then been playing and pursuing his professional baseball career. Very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks pitcher Matt Vogel. Matt, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So we were just talking off air, Matt. Obviously, you're from Long Island. You're from New York. Um, you end up at South Carolina. And I know, of course, obviously, you know, being a, uh, a prospect in the game of baseball, it starts so early on. Recruiting starts so early. The showcases, the travel teams, the, you know, everything, everything that comes with it. Just talk about the recruiting process for you, what that was like, and how a kid from Long Island ended up in Columbia, South Carolina. You know, I, I, I... – the entire process I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I spent probably since I was 15 all the way up to my senior year um, playing in all these tournaments down south, Georgia, Florida, you know, all these perfect game tournaments to get, you know, recruited, to get, you know, get scouted by, you know, um, MLB scouts and everything like that. Um, it was very, it was just, it was fun. It, it, there was no way around it. I, I enjoyed every experience that I had. Um, from, you know, the perfect game tournaments playing with Team USA uh, and all the all the amazing talent, all the great guys that I met along, you know, my journey. How, how tough was it? I'm curious. How tough was it as a baseball player in New York to stay sharp, I guess? Because, like, I mean, obviously you, you can't play really for, like, what, like four months out of the year or something like that? I mean, yeah. you think of, like, versus – 
Florida, where you're just easily playing year round. And obviously that's, I would say probably one of the reasons the baseball talent down there and in like Texas and even like South Carolina, Georgia, like it's so elite is you're just playing nonstop. And for you guys, I know there's, there's, it's possible, but there's challenges that come with that as far as like you're having to work out indoors and throw bullpens indoors and do everything indoors like a, a four or five month period. I mean, it's why you, you see, and I know you played against them, but you see teams from, you know, the Northeast or whatever, they'll, they'll spend like three weeks down in the Southeast playing, you know, college teams playing, you know, games, you know, on the road. But how, how challenging, I guess, was that for you growing up kind of having to deal with that? To me, it really wasn't challenging because I, I was growing up, I always played, obviously, baseball. I played football and basketball as well. Um, once I got into high school, I stopped playing football, but I continued to play basketball. Um, so during the winter, I was playing basketball. I was working out and stuff like that, but it just it gave me that that break I needed from baseball. Right. Where And I had this conversation because, you know, I give pitching lessons and stuff like that now throughout the offseason. I had this conversation with a bunch of my younger kids. It's I'm seeing a trend where a lot of kids are only playing one sport mm. and, and, and it's baseball all year round. And again, that's not a bad thing, but, but it comes to a point where you're, you, you know, you're going to drain yourself out. Mm. It, you, you know, you, you need that break. You need that kind of that freedom to, you know, be a kid and, and just do whatever you want to do. Um, cause that, that's what helped me out. And, and I, I think my parents for that, cause they weren't always, you know, baseball, 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 it was okay. You're going to do this and this, you know, just so I had that break. And when it came time for baseball season, I, I was physically ready. Mm. So that I, I, you know, I had no problem with that. Um, cause you see it even down South, I, you know, there are multiple guys that played football while they were, you know, still playing baseball and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that that I mean that didn't bother me at all, but but it's true because you know they they say, you know, colleges down south or e or even you know, pro teams they rather have northeast pitchers because they're not throwing all year round, blah blah blah. Um, but I get to like my age now, right? That I'm just training baseball all off season and I'm throwing indoors, and I'll tell you right now, it sucks. It's boring as hell. <laughs> you just like th this week it, it it finally decided you know get sunny out we've had snow and everything like that it got up to i think like 50 degrees yesterday so we were throwing outside for the first time and god knows how long so we always we always try and take um advantage of the opportunities when it's nice out because obviously no one likes throwing in you know 20 degree weather for sure. And again, I think it's interesting, Matt, when you got recruited, you know, South Carolina was on the greatest run we might ever see in college baseball, yeah. all the games they won in the postseason consecutively and win back-to-back -back national titles and were damn near close to winning a third straight and then went to the Super Regionals in 2013. I mean, they were a game away from going back to Omaha again. Um, again, where did South Carolina come into play for you in the recruiting process? And I mean, I, I feel like you get that offer and they're on the run they're on. It'd probably be pretty hard to say no to them. No, it, it definitely was because I remember me and my dad were, were actually coming back from a, a trip with Team USA. We were coming back from Mexico, and we had flown into, I believe, Charlotte from, from Texas. So we just made the drive down um, to South Carolina and visited uh, with Coach Holbrook on the field. At that, at that time, he was, he was the recruiting coordinator. Right. This was right, you know, I think the year before he took over. And, you know, we're talking and he like kind of like 
secretly tried to get me to commit me not knowing what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time I was 15, 16 years old and, and my dad pulls me over to the side. He says, what, you know, what the hell are you thinking? Like, do you want to come here? I was like, yeah. And he was like, then tell him you want to come here. Don't, you know, don't act like you don't know what's going on. So right there I committed and it was just, you know, to me, to me, it was a perfect match. Would I go back and change anything? Probably not. Um, If anything, the only thing I would change would probably, I would have gone out of high school. Mm. Um, If I knew the stuff that I knew now of just, just everything going on. Um, But as far as that, I wouldn't change anything. And you talk about Coach Holbrook. I'm curious to hear your relationship with him because I was I was fortunate enough to talk with him and get him on the show. And I'm a stand up guy, and there's a reason I see why all his, you know, all his former players and everything all speak so highly of him. But that that relationship with Holbrook, again, I think it was interesting. I mean, you were, you know, you came in. I guess I don't know if I'd say technically his his first recruiting class as head coach, but I mean maybe first mm-hmm. signing class as head coach. And, yeah. And there was obviously a transition there, and 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 things certainly changed a little bit but again talk about coach Holbrook obviously he was the head man in charge when he got there and uh you know did, did some good things at Carolina for sure no everyone from from top to bottom we all respected and loved coach Holbrook he, he, you know he he I think he was the right guy for the job I think personally in my opinion he he kind of stepped into a, a very tough situation yeah. of you know going going coming off those back to back to back World Series runs and everybody expects you know the world of him now like he's got to do it now mm. and I you know and the, I think that that pressure that was put on him not saying it was too much because if there's a guy that can handle it it's him there I mean there's no, there's no question about that but I think just from the university itself just applied so much pressure you know coming off the you know back to back to back and everything like that um but no I have nothing but respect for Coach Robert and um I think he's in a great place now at College of Charleston. Mm. Um, if there's one guy that I got to bring him up, if there's one guy that I did have probably the best relationship with on that coaching staff, it was definitely Coach Myers. Mm. Um, that's my guy. So I was always a I'm a I'm a sarcastic, smart ass type of individual. Um, and man, he uh, that was just a guy that I could not necessarily mess with, but you know, he he was l- low key kind of the same way mm. but just didn't say as much but no um that entire coaching staff man it was just they, they were just great to be around mm. the amount of stuff that i learned and you know they, they just kind of pulled everyone together from like i said top to bottom of the roster and made them play for the university and mm. and for them so yeah no i respect and i love every single one of those guys for sure. I'm curious to hear, uh, Matt, you know, your transition to SEC baseball. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a huge jump, and I've heard even guys say it's like it's like playing double-A. Like, that's how good the talent is. Um, what do you feel like that transition was like for you? Again, facing SEC hitters, you know, you go from high school where you might see four or five pretty decent guys. It's one through nine, everybody you pitch against in the SEC. What, what was that transition like for you? To me, it, uh, you know, it, it's going to – sound kind of you know you know whatever but to me it never mattered who you know who was in the box you know i i didn't care if you were you know from vandy or from some small college from up here like it it doesn't matter because anybody can beat anybody on any on any given day but i knew that if i had my best stuff on that day i was i was going to get you out 
Mm. Now, again, I understand I didn't make the most of most of my opportunities while I was at college. Um, but that, that was still my mindset going in, even if, you know, there was an outing where I gave up, you know, I didn't give up many hits. They were all, they were all walks. Mm. So it, it was either I was walking you or I was striking you out or I was giving up some bullshit bloop single. <laughs> um, that, that's just kind of the way it worked. Um, but no, I, I always carry that mindset in of just kind of, I don't care who you are, whether, you know, you're a projected first round, first overall pick or, you know, some, you know, whoever off the bench, um, you got to go in there and do your job. And if I don't, then it's on me. Mm. So that, that, that's what it just came down to, you know, when I stepped on the mound and stuff like that. Now, Matt, switching gears a little bit, because I, I, w- I was a uh, <clears throat> former pitcher myself. And it's funny because people tuning in, you know, I was at all three of the Carolina baseball games this weekend. I've been at every game this year. But, you know, and fans are fans, whatever. But it's funny to hear fans, um, you know, throw strikes. Those strikes. Oh, don't like just, get me started. Like, it's just don't like, you know, and, and so you and I both know, like, there's just, you know, sitting, and I, I find myself even too sitting there from the fan side, you know, Thomas Farr walks a guy on four pitches and you're like, damn, like, come on. But it's like, he's obviously not trying to do that. Like, you just know, like, you just sometimes you just lose it for whatever reason. You lose the feel, you, you lapse in concentration, whatever. So it sounds like you're talking that maybe walks were kind of, you felt like were your Achilles heel, at least in college. Like, do you attribute that to anything specifically, physically, mentally, anything like that, or it's just the way it happened? I, to be honest, I, because I was never in high school and everything like that, it, I was never somebody who walked guys. I really wasn't. Mm. Um, and it kind of started happening, you know, my freshman year, not as much. Um, but then, you know, my freshman year, I felt like my stuff, like, other than the kind of last off season, mm. I've probably, my freshman year was the best that I've ever felt um, regarding just, you know, velo wise and just stuff wise mechanics and everything was, you know, together. And then, you know, I, I started throughout the season. I didn't really throw much. I think I threw like 14 innings or something like that. Um, so I really wasn't going off a lot. Um, but after the season was over, I thought I was in a, you know, in a pretty good spot mentally and physically. And so then I went to the Cape and, you know, I struggled in my first two outings and, and the coach, you know, said, all right, you're, you know, you're done. You're, you're gone. So I went to go play in the Coastal Plains League. And I think that kind of messed me up more kind of mentally. Right. Because then from there, it was just trying to figure out what the hell was wrong, mm. you know, regarding mechanics and, and stuff like that. So I, I was very inconsistent in the way I threw a baseball you know, my sophomore and my junior year. Um, but really, no, because the fan, the fans, you know, I, I, I've i heard some shit when I was on a mound there that, you know, that shouldn't be geared towards our own guys. <laughs> right. I heard the, I heard the stuff that's usually said for the opposing team. Right. So yeah, that, that made me feel, you know, pretty good about myself. Um, but no, it's just like, you know, it, they're, they're fans. It, you know, it, if right. us as ball players, we're listening to them, you know, they're, they're always going to shit talk. That's just the way that's that's baseball. That's right. any sport. Yeah. If Chirping. we can't handle it, then we yeah, if we can't handle it. We don't belong on the field, you know, obviously to some degree. Right. right. Um, and I it just 
I think, I think mentally I was in a very, I don't want to say dark place, just the, kind of the wrong place. My sophomore and junior year, just trying to figure it out. And I just, I couldn't do it. Um, I tried everything and I'm still a little bit the same way now. Um, you're always trying to pick pieces and try and put them together and stuff like that. You, you, you know, it's almost like you're trying to make yourself like a, like a megastar pitcher or whatever, like a Jacob DeGrom. Right. And it's not, it's just not going to happen. Mm. So you just got to go with what you have and, and just run with it. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, if it makes you feel any better, it's funny. I, I saw Alex Destino tweet this, your former teammate. He said, like, you know, I used to love when fans would give me feedback on my swing, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. just hit the ball. It's like, like I'm not up there trying. And I, I'll tell you another funny thing. I, I had Michael Roth in the show a few weeks ago. And I thought this story was wild because we all think of Michael Roth as like, you know, the GOAT, right? This legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was asking about the Carolina Clemson rivalry, and I guess he appeared in that rivalry in 2009. And he was like, dude, I got booed off the field, like literally. Because I, I, he's like, I came in first and second, walked a guy, walked another guy, walked in a run, you know, then finally got another out or, or finally got the, the third out. But I was like, just Michael Roth got booed off the field. I mean, everybody yeah. should be – yeah, nobody's immune to it, man. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's it, immune to it. I, you know, I've heard it from, let's see, who is, you know, actually, nah, really, even like, all right, so like Braden Webb, Braden Webb had, had yeah. tweeted it with kind of just, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I wish there were just, you know, one day throughout the season where all them, all them shit talking fans get their nine best nine best fans and put them against the, the nine best guys. Right. And just, you know, play, play, play just three innings. And I would, that I would pay money to watch that. If only it worked that way. Yeah. <laughs> if only it worked that way. I, I, I want to talk about specifically, cause again, I, I know you had your ups and downs, Matt, but as a team, uh, 14 and 16 were, uh, were really, really good years for you guys. And specifically 16. I mean, again, I've talked to guys like Destino and, I mean, they say that's probably the most fun year of baseball they've ever had. Um, just talk about that. Now, I'll ask you, too. Did you battle injury while you were at Carolina? I'm curious. Um, a few, not n- nothing really nothing serious. Okay. Um, but that's really how I've always been was just, you know, one little nagging kind of thing that just gotcha. makes it a little uncomfortable uncomfortable and stuff like that. But, no, nothing serious. Okay, gotcha. Well, anyways, talk about those – Again, 14 was a good season, but 16, again, the run you guys made going all the way to the Supers, you lose game three against Oklahoma – or lose to Oklahoma State in two games, and that was a buzzsaw of a team you guys ran into. But, again, a great year. And like I said, from the guys that I've talked to, it sounds like that 16 season and that, that 16 group of guys was, was a really special group. Yeah, so, I mean, from the 14 team, I don't like – don't get me wrong, we were talented. We were extremely talented. Um Hell, I think we started off the season like 20-0 and 0 mm. after we had swept Clemson, and then I think we might have swept Ole Miss to start the season or whoever it was. But I, I really the, – the biggest difference I see it was the camaraderie between, you know, the seniors all the way down to the freshmen. Like, and that – nothing – like, not that we didn't get along or anything like that. Mm. It's just like we weren't, you know, you know that, that tight a group. And I think back because talent wise, there was uh, to me, there was no difference whatsoever. Right. Um, the four, you know, that 14 team, you know, we had Griner, we had, you know, Joey Pancake, Tanner English, you know, 
We had gummy. Like, we we had the we had the guys. Mm. Um, just sixteen was just. We were all very close, from top to bottom, senior to freshman. Mm. Um, and I think that's what really made the difference, where everybody was kind of just feeding off one another's energy, and that's what kind of made you know made that run. Unfortunately, it had to end against you know Oklahoma State. Um, but no, that that I can agree with that being one, and agree, and this is coming from someone who who I think through, I don't know, seven eight innings his junior year. That that might have been the 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 most fun that I've had mm. on a team in my entire career from hell from T-ball all the way to friggin' pro ball. Um, there was just the guys that you were around, you know, on a day-to-day basis that made it worth it mm. in a way. For sure. And then Matt, in 2016, you get drafted uh, 25th round of the 2016 MLB draft by the Tampa Bay Rays. Just talk about that process. And I'll ask you, was there ever, because it sounds like you said, you know, if you could change anything, you'd probably go straight out of high school. I mean, was there ever, ever any thought, any consideration on coming back to school or was it kind of, you kind of knew as soon as you got taken, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm starting this journey. No, there, there was, because hell, I, (laughs) It, it was very – it was a weird process um, on a standpoint of, like I had just mentioned, I threw seven, eight innings. Right. You're taking, you know, a big risk drafting somebody. Like, granted, you know, it's not like I signed for a million dollars or anything like that. But it's just like, you know, you're taking a big risk taking a guy that, you know, statistically speaking, has, has not proven himself. Um, so I remember it was, it was game one against Oklahoma State, the Super Regional. And um, Billy, the, the, the weight coach, you know, the trainer at South Carolina, I had given him my phone because we were allowed to have our phones on us, you know, just in case, you know, you got a call. And he comes up to me. I'm sitting on the bench and hell, we're, we're you know, we're two minutes away from first pitch because I don't know if you got drafted, but, you know, you keep getting a shit ton of text messages and, and phone calls and stuff like that. I'm like, what the hell? And as he hands me the phone, the guy from, you know, the Rays called me saying, you know, we're going to take it. I'm like, I, I I wasn't expecting it at right. that point before that game. My mind was set was on one coming back to school because I wasn't getting drafted. Um, and even after that, you know, after then the next two days, I stuck around. Um, I even had a meeting with Coach Holbrook. I said, "Listen, like I don't, you know, I I was planning on going back because I always knew that it was that, that I could pitch there. That was never a problem." Um, but I would just, I think it was just ready for, for a brand new start to kind of just get, get it rolling again. Um, so I got drafted and went in with a whole new confidence. It was, you know, and at that point I knew it was the right decision because it was just, like I said, it was a brand new start and I was ready to get going. And so you start that journey. Just talk to me a little bit about that because I've seen, you know, you've bounced around from minor leagues to indie ball. And obviously you're, you're, you're right in the midst of the grind chasing the dream right now. Um, just, just talk about what that's been like again, because again, it's, it's a, you make the jump from high school to college, going from college to pro is a whole different animal. It's a whole different beast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I love watching, and I think a lot of fans do love watching minor league baseball because it's baseball at the purest form. Like you have to love it. I mean, you just flat out have to love it. You know what I mean? To go yeah. through that and 
And uh, but again, you're getting paid to play baseball, so I mean, have perspective. But you you truly do have to love it. I mean, it's a grind, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but just talk about what that's been like for you, what that process has been like, and I guess what you've learned along the way. It's been it's been a very long process, very long. Um, but I, you know, I've enjoyed it. You, you gotta you gotta have some you know kind of some thick skin um, when you know you're in the minors and then ever I got released, it's just, you know, I look back and I remember having that meeting of when I got released and, you know, I called my dad and told him, you know, I was crying, whatever. I was like, all right, I was what, 22. And what the hell am I doing? Like, there's still a lot more opportunity left to, you know, to go out there and play. So ever since then I've been playing any ball, any ball, any ball is, is, is fun. A lot of people don't, don't like, it's literally, I think it's the same as the minors, but it, there's more interaction mm-hmm. in, in a way. Um, and you're, you're not, you know, obviously everyone's trying to get picked, picked back up and stuff like that, but you're, you're not, you're not necessarily forced. You know, there's no, there's no pressure on you, you know, to go out there and go four for four or four home runs so you can get moved up to the next level. Obviously you go four for four, four home runs, you know, you get your name out there and, you know, maybe you get picked back up, but it just, you know, you go out there and have fun. That's what it, that's what it comes down to. Um, like it, don't get me wrong. It, it is a grind, but you know, it's worth it. I've seen guys who, who had all the talent in the world and they just, they just didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they just retired and just called it quits and stuff like that. And I think that's, that's one of the main issues that I'm having is that, you know, I probably have maybe about it, maybe after this year, maybe one more year, if I don't get picked up mm-hmm. to kind of figure it out. Um, and I'm trying, and I try not to think about it on a daily basis, but it's pretty hard because I've been right. playing this sport since, you know, you know, when I first started to walk, um, and, that, and I think that's a tough, that that's going to be the toughest, probably toughest day of my life. It's just kind of going away with this and, you know, not, not throwing anymore and stuff like that. Um, but up until then, hell, I'm going to, I'm going balls to the wall. I have nothing to lose at this point anymore. Um, if I, if I get signed, great. If I don't, then I don't, I got to go back to school anyways. I got to finish my degree. I still got about a year left. So, you know, when the time comes, the time comes. Yeah. You definitely cherish every day you get to put on the jersey. It's funny. I, I was at the, like I said, I was at the the Carolina baseball games this past weekend. And, you know, you, you go from playing Clemson to playing Mercer. And I'll, I'll do respect to Mercer, but it was a lot different mm-hmm. of a vibe and feel. And, like, I had to, you know, I guess as a fan, it didn't matter how I felt. But it was I was there with my buddy, and I was like, you got to really catch yourself because as a player, you know, you, you, have, you really got to cherish every time you get to put on the uniform because there's going to come a day yeah. where – you know, you don't. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, eventually that day comes for everybody, literally everybody. So it's, it's, uh, it's crazy for sure. I, I'm curious, Matt, to hear your, your thoughts on speaking of Carolina baseball, just the current state of Gamecock baseball. I'm not sure if you've gotten the opportunity to meet Mark Kingston or anything, but obviously after you leave, you know, the stuff with Chad Holbrook goes down and a new era begins. And, and obviously we're all excited this year, you know, teams 10 and 0, of course, we're speaking on Wednesday, they play the Citadel tonight and then you got to, 
huge series at Texas, and then the SEC gauntlet gets going. But uh, it seems like Mark Kingston sort of got things rolling here in his fourth year. Just have you had the opportunity to meet him? And I, I don't know how much you get to watch Gamecock baseball, but just from the little bit maybe you've seen or followed, your thoughts on the state of the program. So I think I've, I, I had the opportunity to meet him for, you know, a brief, brief second. I was – I think it might have been – my first off season after I had gotten drafted at, at that time, my girlfriend, now my fiance, she was living in Charlotte. So I went to go visit her. Um, and we made the, you know, the hour drive to Columbia for, it was just a fall scrimmage. Mm. Um, I said hello to, you know, some of the guys and then coach Kingston can't, comes up and introducing himself to me. I said, you know, unfortunately we didn't, we weren't able to have a conversation. Like this guy just introduced himself. I don't think he even knew who the hell I was. Mm. Um, but I could just get, you know, the vibe of, you know, that that's a guy that, you know, these guys want to play for. Mm. You know, they respect him and stuff like that. Um, if there, if there's somebody that throughout throughout my college years, if there's one guy that Coach Kingston can kind of reminds me of in the sense of just his of his kind of personality on the field and how he kind of handles things is to me is Tim Corbin from Vandy um when when we would go to Vandy or they would even come to us I, I would watch him and he's just just his instincts and stuff like that you know the pitchers are having are playing catch before the game out in the outfield and he's walking to every single pitcher trying to just, you know, see how they feel and stuff like that, you know, having conversation. And that's what kind of just in that, you know, that minute of me talking to him, that's the kind of energy that I got from him. Like he, he's very dedicated to what he does. Um, but hell, su Sunday, I think, was the first game that I've watched in a while. Mm. Um, not just be not because you know I could care less, but it's just like, you know, it's tough getting it up here. First right, of all, right. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. Um, but I was watching on ESPN and stuff like that. Um, oh, that, that's that's a dangerous team. Mm. Again, I don't, I don't know, I don't know much about any of the guys on the team, other than I guess freaking West Clark, who keeps hitting <laughs> dinger after dinger and shit like that, because um, yeah. he's all over my Twitter feed <laughs> every day that there's a game. Yeah. So, um, but actually. I was watching, I think his name Bosnick, right? Is that the guy who Bos threw on Sunday? Bosnick, yeah, the lefty. Bosnick. Yeah. That that's a guy that I see. Like I look at him and and they're they're talking about his command and stuff like that. And he's a freshman. He, or is yeah. he no a sophomore. Sophomore, yeah, yeah, sophomore I think, yeah. or something like that. Well, he he's I think he's like a COVID freshman. He was there last year. Okay, okay. okay. Last year doesn't count. So yeah. Okay. Second but year. I, I look at I look at him and he and he like I look back and like <laughs> He reminds me of me in a sense, just, you know, he, he, you know, he's this close to kind of putting it all together. And, and I know he hasn't shit. He hasn't given up a hit in what? 16, 17 innings. 16 that, to and two thirds career innings has never given up. A hit. <laughs> that, that That's ridiculous to me. Um, Wild. But like, he's, he's this close, you know, from putting it all together. And I mean, he's damn good as it is, but once he puts it together, I mean, the, uh, the, that team is kind of legit, yeah. um, not kind of legit. They are legit, and I hope they go a very, very long way. 
Yeah. Very long way. Yeah. They're, they're certainly going to have their opportunity this weekend at Texas for sure. I, I you know, yeah. I, uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I got a weird feeling Julian Bosnick might give up a hit Sunday. I just, <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but you know, this is Texas. So like, it's just, just give them credit. No, you, never you, you never know. You never know. You never know. I'd, never I'd know. love, I'd love to see it. Um, I'll ask you, Matt, before we get out of here, when you look back at your career at Salcon, obviously, again, you, which I think it's very interesting, like your career, I feel like is like you can summarize the game of baseball with your career. Cause I, I try to warn people in the sense of like this team this year and they're 10 and 0 and everything's perfect. And, but you and I both know like that's not the game of baseball. It's a game of failure. Correct. I mean, if you, if you own, you know, if you fail seven out of 10 times at the plate, you're a Hall of Famer. You know, I mean, literally, it, there's no other sport like it. It's such a game of failure. It's such a game of overcoming adversity and 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 battling through it and the mental side, the mental grind, being mentally tough. I feel like your career kind of encapsulates that in regards to, like, the adversity you dealt with and just dealing with the struggles that is college baseball at the SEC level. Yeah. When you look back at your career, uh, is there one memory or, or something maybe happened on-field, off-field, whatever, that, that jumps out to you from your time at South Carolina? Nah, I, I'll tell the one one story real quick. Um, it was my junior year, and it's pretty funny. It doesn't really have to do anything about me pitching or anything like that, mm. but just a little insight of kind of the the person I was. Um, so it's my junior year. Me and Adam Hill were walking out of the bullpen. It was just a practice or whatever, and we were just we had just finished throwing bullpens, or I had I was watching him throw a bullpen or whatever the case was. And this was right – this is about the time where he transitioned into the Sunday guy for us. Um, so, me, Adam, and Coach Myers were walking out of the bullpen, practice over and stuff like that. And, like, I'm going back and forth with Coach Myers, you know, being that sarcastic, smart-ass that I usually was to him. Right. And he goes to me, he goes, you know, why doesn't, why doesn't Adam talk to me the way you talk to me? I said, because he's a freshman, I'm a junior – He's going to pitch. I know I'm not. So I have nothing to lose. So, and he just let out one of his smarts. Like, huh, huh. I, I, I know I'm, I know I'm, it's, you know, we're halfway through the season. I know I'm not going to throw. So I'm just going to have fun with you at this point. Um, but that was kind of just the, the relationship that me and him had. And I think that, like I said, that that's my guy. If you ever want to have somebody on, on your show, good luck trying to get them. But that, that would be, that's a character that I would, I would, I would love to see on, on your show. Um, but no, it, it, you know, from, from the baseball standpoint to, you know, hell meeting, meeting my future wife there. Um, it's just the, the, the people that I met along the way, I have nothing but, like I said, love and respect for, um, they, they've helped kind of guide me through not just baseball, just life, you know, life lessons, and stuff like that. Um, and I hope, you know, that's something that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Um, I love my time there. I love my time. I wouldn't want to go anywhere else. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, it's all about the people you meet along the way. And I'll, I'll definitely do what I can to get Coach Myers. We'll have to see. I'll have to see if I can pull uh, some strings as far as. Uh, I'll talk to him about it. I'll talk yeah. to him about it. I mean, why not? Just some lighthearted combo. What, what, what could it hurt? <laughs> um, but, Matt, man, this has been a pleasure, man. This has been great. Really good stuff. Uh, obviously, talking about your career and reflecting on everything. And seriously, man, best of luck with um, your you. professional career. And, hey, man, just keep, keep slinging it, man. Keep keep throwing. Um, and I mean, that's all you I'm can do, right? Just, just keep throwing. So, Matt, appreciate yeah. it, man. Definitely a pleasure. Let's definitely do it again soon for sure.
Always, always. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. He's Matt Vogel. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show. when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Say big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.